Hi, welcome to the podcast where we do it for the love of it. I'm Kevin. And I'm Charles, and this is the sports podcast where we talk about the best events and stories from across the global competitive landscape. Okay. And I think think we're going to start today with Kevin's favorite uh, sport. Uh, The NCAA had quite a weekend. Yeah, a lot of upsets. Um, Very confusing to what's happening right (laughs) now, but I guess... It's one of those weeks. Um, we'll start it off with Texas beating OU. Oklahoma. Yeah, to, is this more about Texas coming back, becoming a real program again, or do you think this shows OU's weaknesses? Um, I think it's a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B. Texas is starting to kind of get their footing. They're doing some good recruiting. They have some solid athletes. They're showing through to be a team that they probably should have been, you know, before. But, yeah. um, you know, it's kind of a, a case of also OU having a very non-existent defense. Yeah, that's certainly a common Big 12 issue and a common complaint lobbed at Oklahoma. They... Sometimes get around, not to national championship levels, but this was always, you know, big game Bob Stoops fails in the big games. This is something that's followed Oklahoma around. Very true. For quite a while, so. Yeah, I mean, I can't say I'm surprised. At the same time, I didn't think this would be as quick as we see Texas start to punch big teams in the mouth. But Yeah, is um, it possible Ellinger is a... <laughs> Is a name to watch because he had himself one heck of a game. I think you would have to maybe keep an eye out from now on. I mean, after you do something like that, a game like that. You yeah, know, five total touchdowns, two through the air, three with his legs. Yeah, you know, I mean, rushing, I always put a little bit of a kind of question mark on it, especially when you're having some success for the air, you're gaining some yards. Like, I mean... A quarterback that can move their feet is invaluable in the NCAA, but it's it it doesn't really show to be like look out for that superstar quarterback. He's gonna throw a million touchdowns. Yeah, maybe moves. not as repeatable. Something yes. that you can't expect to see over and over again. Exactly, teams are gonna respect that you can move, and now you're gonna have less ability to run, so you're gonna have to rely on your arm more. Now we get to see who you really are. All Oops. right. Yeah, we'll move uh, on I to th- Florida and LSU. Yeah, to me, this one, we could ask ourselves the same question. To me, this is much more about LSU. Yeah, I think it's um, much more about LSU as well. I was unsure about them to start the season. Their quarterback impressed me a couple times. They have a great defense. But I think this showed that they're very unlikely to be standing at the end of the year. Yeah, no, I would agree uh, with that 100%. I don't think that... Florida is this team to look out for. I think LSU is kind of was found a you know a little bit of luck with that quarterback situation, but I I don't know if they're going to be you know this amazing team that made it all the way to the playoffs. So I just feel like this is a consequence of that. Yeah, like LSU has some good strong players across the board. I think Burrow is the kind of player that you can have a lot of success with if you were, say, in the Big Ten this year. But the SEC is stacked, and I think they're pretty much a non-issue going forward. 
I mean, I would agree with you 100%. It's just not going to be the case of, you know, LSU being a superstar team. It's more that Florida's a solid team that has the ability and the athleticism to do something amazing. And LSU just happened to get caught, you know, sleeping on a team that actually was capable of winning. Yeah, I suppose you could say, I mean, anytime you beat a top-level team like LSU, you have to think more highly of the team. But I can't say I now believe in Florida or anything like that. I think we, they could go out next week and lose to a nobody. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's more like this is a testament, and hopefully they're recruiting now following that will be uh, um, a little more uh, improved. Because <laughs> yeah. Florida should always be able to recruit. They're the Florida Gators. If you, you can't record, recruit there, what are you doing? You would assume, um, but you never know, right? It's... <laughs> yeah, we've seen, it's been, it's been many years at this point that they've really struggled, so... Yeah, I mean... Something's uh, going on. Hopefully this can get them a little bit more crooks than we see a Florida of old, but... Yeah, I don't know. Florida's one of those teams where, they, when they are good, I think the NCAA is funner to watch. Yes, I would agree with you 100%. Especially uh, if you get Miami good at the same time, that can be a blast. Yeah, it, I mean, it creates those awesome rivalries uh, that you love to see. And I love when the ACC has a little bit of talent in it besides Clemson as well. <laughs> yeah, Clemson's gonna has to go undefeated this year because they're not playing anybody because no, the ACC is struggling. I, mean, I think Although, they survived their one team that really was going to be their uh, Achilles heel, and that was Syracuse. And that I think the rest is kind of going to be a cakewalk. And although Florida is Florida State, sorry, is looking less pathetic. I mean they. They lost to Miami this week, but they played a closer game. At the start of the season, I thought Florida State would be a joke. Yeah. So I that mean, game later in the year is going to be not a cakewalk, but not... Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I don't know. I just don't believe in uh, FSU right now. Uh, maybe by then, hopefully they slide into a numbered position. You know, <laughs> you got to make Clemson look good? <laughs> yeah, for Clemson, but I, I just I don't imagine them being any better when it comes to Clemson. I think Clemson's going to do some terrible things to them real quick. <laughs> <laughs> they would certainly be the heavy, heavy favorites. Okay. Uh, sliding over to Notre Dame and Va Tech. Yeah. Um, so, I don't know. I still don't know what to think of Notre Dame. Nor do I. Uh, when I threw this game on the list, I was, at that point, the game was, I believe, 17-16 to 16 for Notre Dame. Yeah. And it looked like it was going to be a really competitive game, and I thought maybe this is where Notre Dame falls off. But uh, they went on to trash them with several big plays in the, in the second half. Uh, got a big lead, really impressive victory. And now when you look at their schedule, this is a team that could go undefeated. 100%. And they don't have they don't have conference championships or something like that. And I wonder is the fact that they're Notre Dame going to make up for kind of the defaults of their schedule being an independent. Yeah, I think it might and also the ability and the talent of their players as well. This might be one of the best Notre Dame teams we've seen in a long time. 
Like, they are extremely talented on both sides of the ball, and it's showing through. And hopefully, it's enough to make them maybe slide into the playoff if it gets down to it, but I don't know. Yeah, they strike me as a team, like, they are talented, they got a lot of depth, like, they got, they benched Wimbush, despite the fact that they kept on winning and went to their backup, so, we see that in a few programs that have just the insane depth of talent, and Notre Dame certainly one of them. Exactly, Notre Dame, I mean, is that team, it's gonna be good always, because they are where they are, and who they are, and what their history has done. So they got I got that stadium to bank on. Yeah, that beautiful, unbelievable stadium. I've been there and I've seen it. I get why you would go there. Um, it's it's unbelievable. It's it's cool to see that they ha- are doing it now and so efficiently. Because I did not expect Notre Dame to be a team to look out for at all. So the big questions to me when Notre Dame come. Like, at this point, there's so much up in the air, we really can't talk about it very intelligently. Yeah. But what can Notre Dame do to be considered a top-four team in the league beyond them pulling in the TV numbers and the committee saying, well, let's get Notre Dame in here because they're popular? Um, I feel like, number one, they have to win out. Number two, they have to... They they have to win out more than Clemson has to win out. Yeah, exactly. They have to win out, and they have to win out big. They can't have any games... They can have, like, a stretch where they win a couple of games by, like, six points. Otherwise, they will be nowhere to be found. So to you, undefeated is not necessarily a guarantee to Notre Dame. Yeah, I'd say it's still not even a guarantee. It has to show, they have to believe that if they are the team that's in it, then they are 100% a, a chance to win. And if, it's, if they struggle along the way, they're just going to be like, you know what, Clemson is a better choice, go. Yeah, when you look at it, Clemson, you'd probably think the SEC champion is obviously going to make it, probably Alabama. Yeah. Um, so you got the Ohio State or whoever the Big Ten champion is. So are you going to say no to a Big 12 champion or a Pac-12 champion if they come on strong for an undefeated Notre Dame? I suppose so, but I wouldn't. Like, Notre Dame needs to get into a conference. They're in the ACC in basketball. I think that's what it comes down to. They're in the ACC in basketball. Should They should join the ACC in football. This isn't 1970. Their, their situation is just too unique to, to build into some sort of proper system. I agree with you. I think the problem is, is that no matter what, they have to be reactive to everything. And that's their major issue. Like, they have to assume that they're not going to be good this year, or they have to assume that they're going to be good this year, and then make their schedule, you know... Yeah, and they got to make that guess, like, three years in ahead, because you can't make the schedule in August of the school year, of the football year, obviously. Exactly. So it is real difficult. So it, it's terrible, and they thought they would be, you know, a mediocre team, and now it's going to bite them in the ass. Like, just do not, like... Join the ACC, make the ACC stronger, have some good games, make some real rivals, and let's go. You know? Yeah, I think that would be best for pretty much everybody except for maybe Notre Dame's ego. They like to be the independent. But beyond that, I mean, it's almost, what, two decades since Penn State became the last, uh, last real independent beyond Notre Dame to 
to join a conference, it's time for Notre Dame to grow up and join the rest. I would agree with you 100%, and it would be the best thing for the ACC. So... Yeah, you just mentioned you want the ACC to be stronger. That'd be one heck of a way to do it. 100%. I would not care if Clemson was playing them year after year. I, I think if you're going to be the team, you have to win a game against a team like that. And if yeah. it's FSU, Clemson, and um, Notre Dame in the same division, that division is now could possibly be the division to look out for. It could be the new SEC. Yeah. Maybe not up with the SEC, but certainly we'd start thinking about that group on the same level we think about the Big Ten every year. Well, I mean, it has the ability to become, you know. If those three teams are, you know, ranked every single year in the, you know, single digits, that makes them... It's uh, possible, but I just think the SEC has so much depth so far down the line. I guess. It, it would take a bit more steps for the ACC to get up at that level. I don't know. I feel Speaking like... of that, just to illustrate that point, you got Kentucky, Texas A&M, the game we're going to talk about next. Yeah. Those are two SEC teams that are practically afterthoughts of that division. The ACC doesn't have anything like that. Yeah, but I mean, like, the reason why that is 100% is Alabama. That's why they're an afterthought. That's why if you have Clemson and you have those two teams, then all of a sudden you're going to be able to get your Boston College to pull in a little more talent, your Louisville to pull in a little more talent. You know what I mean? These teams that have been good, but you know they slipped and there's no other teams in the division, so why would anyone go there? Because what's the point? Yeah. That's, you, you yeah when value. you're talking about the four- and five-star recruits, that probably does have a certain effect on it. Exactly. If there are three teams there and you have the ability to be part of that crazy whirlwind, teams will ju- like players will jump aboard and you will see those and in turn the bottom teams get better and the top teams continue to excel. Uh, let's solid, head over to, solid logic. I guess Kentucky and Tamu. Like I guess we're on that point. Uh, <laughs> Kentucky drops it. Yeah, so it took overtime to beat him, but I think uh, we might be able to say we cursed Blake Snell when we talked about him so well the last two weeks, two <laughs> weeks ago, because the last two weeks have been not Heisman-like. No, not at all, and I think that will probably knock out his Heisman contention. Um, yeah, we we talked about that last week. Running backs practically have to be perfect if they want to be, yeah, be exactly. Heisman candidates. Like it was one game for uh, Leonard Fournette, so. Two games is suicide. <laughs> You're out of there. You know, yeah. that's that's that. And holy moly. So do you still believe in Kentucky? You were very high in Kentucky at the start of the year. I don't think you thought they were going undefeated. So no, that's... I did not. I think Kentucky can obviously turn this around and get back on track. But, you know, maybe in the top. New Year's Day 20s, Bowl? Yeah, I think they have the ability to do that if they can kind of get it all turned around and not drop another game. And Texas A&M, they've had, man, what a season Texas A&M has had. Uh, not the most successful, obviously. Yeah. But they had the the Clemson game, right, losing right at the end, followed up by the beating at the hands of Alabama. Yeah. And then you come back to defeat Kentucky, who was a very highly ranked team, had some impressive wins under their belt. Yeah, it's a very weird whirlwind ride for that team at the moment, but... 
Why yeah, you... If Texas A&M were a Pac-12 team, for example, yeah. I bet they're still undefeated and we're talking about them as, are they playoff worthy? Do you think they can go to the playoffs? Instead, they're basically, what bowl are they going to get to? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I feel like the only way two teams from the SEC make it in is if uh, Alabama drops a championship game. Like, that seems to be the only way two teams make it in. And it's definitely not A&M that's going to be in that game at the moment. But holy... Yeah, I want to go back to... So, I'm going to ask another theoretical championship question. Let's say Georgia's only loss of the year is a 10-point loss to Alabama in the SEC championship game. Yeah. Do you put put Georgia in over a one-loss... Say Ohio State or one loss USC or some sort of some uh, conference champion, but uh, maybe not with that. You don't the eye test doesn't tell you they're as good as Georgia. Yeah, I mean, I feel like the problem with Georgia being room like it just they're not going to be removed because Georgia was in the game last time and they lost by an overtime touchdown. Like, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's why they will be there again, and they will not be knocked out by a team that has a very close record or the same record with, like... So you think Georgia players. can get in without being the SEC champion? Oh, 100%. Because of what they did last year? Yeah. Like, that is 100% going to be the case unless they get, like, swept under the rug, which is basically impossible. They are a really, really good team. Um, Although Alabama's been sweeping everybody very, under the rug. Very, very true. I just don't I don't see it. I don't see them m- missing the playoffs at all. Like it's as long as they don't fall apart or have a crazy injury, they will be the one of the teams in the playoffs this year. All right. Strong strong take, interesting take. Um shall we finish off with the Auburn game? Yeah, let's do that. So they lost to Mississippi State this week. I don't have a clue what to think about Auburn. I don't know if you have any solid opinions. <laughs> My I opinion of Auburn is anymore. literally always this. Like, what <laughs> is going on? <laughs> like, they beat Alabama. They've lost to every other bum team. They've beat Alabama. They lost to every other middle-of-the-pack team. Like, it's just so weird. Like, they're so talented, but I feel like what falls on what happens to them is coaching now. Like, you cannot consistently drop games to non-existent teams every year. Yeah, like, the SEC is strong, so you assume that uh, Mississippi State is fairly strong, but it doesn't feel like you should be losing... To that team if you're Auburn. Exactly. I mean, Auburn has more than enough talent. I just feel like whatever is uh, like going on coaching-wise there is the reason why they seem to just take one of those games that they should win and here, oops, I dropped it. Like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like it, it, it just seems like every single year you could, you can't expect them, like you really could go, they're going to drop a game they should win. This year, and you would, you would have won hundreds of thousands of dollars year after year. 
Like, yeah, it's, it's so beyond me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they are an enigma, no doubt about that. Okay. So, uh, let's slide over to... Actually, um, oh. I'm going to interrupt you there. Okay. I wanted to mention one thing. I'm just going to say a statement. You can ignore it and we can move on yeah. right away. Or you can have something to say about it. Um, but they, we are now in, what, week six of the college football season? Week yes. seven? And DJ Durkin and Damon Evans are still employed by the University of Maryland. I don't want people to forget that. I just want to make sure that is still in people's minds. Okay, good. Yeah, no. And uh, that should be. Um, I don't know what the heck's going on there. Uh, Yeah, I don't know what to say about it, but I just felt that had to be said. I just mean I feel like that's a more thorough investigation than Brett Kavanaugh got. So, hey. Anyway, let's move on from politics and slide into the MLB. <laughs> All right. We are, we kind of expected to be doing this podcast just talking about uh, talking about the first round, how it was going, but we're actually in a position where the first round's basically over. Yeah. Dodgers won three to one. Brewers and Astros both stripped their series. Uh, yeah, I, I'm kind of shook by that. Uh, did not yeah, expect I, it to be so easy for these teams. <laughs> yeah, and not only were they sweeps, like, yes, the one Brewers game was on a walk-off hit, but I didn't really, the next two games were blowouts, and it didn't seem like there was any real competition. Same sort of thing with the Astros. Yeah. The Dodgers lost that one game, but that felt like, you know, in the NFL, NBA, I mean, sorry, NBA, NHL, uh, sometimes that first game at home. Yeah, you kind the, of... the the underwhelming team manages just to win it, and nobody really thinks much of it. Yeah, I feel like it's exactly that. Like I don't yeah, know. That's ca- there's there's not much to talk about the first round. No. Red Sox, uh, they won. They just won when we're recording here. They're up two to one. I think that's the only series kind of worth talking about. Yeah, I mean uh, that's my my team, my favorite, and that's Maddie's team to win it. So. You have to think... <laughs> Battle that, of the For the Love podcast. Yeah, Battle for the Love podcast and guest. You know, it's crazy uh, that we got to this point, and hopefully we get down to... I, you know what? I want there to be uh, yeah, the, the clinch, the one game to rule them all type of situation. You know? I think you got a pretty good chance of that. I know the Yankees looked absolutely terrible today. Um, but part of that is Luis Severino is the kind of pitcher that can be up when he's good. He's up when he's down, who it can look bad. And that was just the case today. Yeah. It was the fourth inning where he completely lost it. And like, we knew the game was over already at that point, And a lot of that can be chalked up to Severino. Yeah. I would agree with that. 100%, but so Yankees are still the Yankees. They still play in that ballpark. I would expect them to come back and win. Setting up that all-important Game 5. I believe that is taking place on Thursday. Okay, so uh, keep your eye open on that one. And then if yeah. uh, if, if we get to have that awesome uh, situation where there's a Game 5, maybe Matt and I will put on a bet or something here and see, <laughs> you, see if I can get him to wear a Yankees hat for a month or something. <laughs> yeah. Do you have any thoughts on the upcoming Dodgers-Brewers series? Both teams look very strong. Yeah, like now I'm I'm kind of shook to the core. Like, what do you take away from this? My guess is that the Dodgers take it by way of uh, 
just being just a tad bit more, I feel like, talented. So that's, yeah. that's my takeaway from that. But, I mean, by way of both teams looking so good, this is going to be an unbelievable series, and I can't wait to see it. Yeah, my... Uh, my prediction in our baseball preview show was that the Brewers are going all the way to the final. Yeah. Um, but man, the Dodgers look so strong. Like they you, you mentioned, great. talent. They have so much talent. I'm pretty sure that was who Matt put into the final. Um, yeah. Like they started with Ryu and decided to hold Kershaw back for a game two. Yeah. And he responded by just mowing down everybody. <laughs> it was completely dom. I think it was eight innings, two hits, no runs. Just completely dominant performance. Absolutely. Craziness and holy. So I'm going to stick with the Brewers. I can barely name a Brewer because that's, that's the kind of team from, they are. Uh, you know, a, a, a very talented pitching team. Like... <laughs> They're just going to... Yeah, they, they can go deep. They can go deep, Rich. exactly, and go balls to the wall and put a team away. Yeah, the one thing I would say about the Dodgers is they've been... They have that talent, but it's not a very consistent talent. Yes. And if you looked at how they played, they dominated the, the playing game. They started off really strong. They lost that game, which I do think was kind of an aberration. But even today's game, which I think they ended up winning, they won 6-2, I think, on a Manny Machado Manny Machado bomb. But it wasn't as dominant yeah. as the early. So maybe they're starting to go on that downswing, and that's how the Brewers get them. Because the Brewers just send it at you. They got a strong team. They don't have a flashy team. Yeah. But they just got a strong team, and they're just going to send it at you every night, over and over. You're going to have to... You're not going to be able to... Have an off game. Play poorly and beat this team. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No off games. Okay. Well, you know, that's... The MLB is short and sweet right there. Um, <laughs> yeah, the first round did not give us a lot of talking points. <laughs> I mean, so I think I we're going like to move on pretty quick. That was literally just to summed up the first round. You know? <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, I feel like it's crazy. Yeah, that one sentence there. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's slide over to the newest sport. Uh, esports. What are we starting it off with today? So we had the League of Legends World Championships starting up. Uh, so we're still in the early stages. The playing game started October 1st. And now we have our group stage, which begins this Wednesday, all set up and ready to go. Okay. So who are we looking at this time? So there's, uh, there's a... The big, the group of death, I think, is probably Royal Never Give Up, Gen G, Team Vitality, and then Cloud Nine was just added in the playing game. Okay. To go in that already stacked group, I think that's probably the group most people are looking at. But uh, another matchup you gotta point out is the fact that Team Liquid, just coming off, uh, just coming off their championship in the North American Fall League, has to play KT Rolster in the group draw. And if you're not familiar with KT Rolster, they are they're royalty in the League of Legends yes, world. They are they're Korea's super team. That's going to be the first game starting off at on Wednesday. And what a place to start! What a, for Team Liquid to come in from the play play in game to run into that 
what will probably be an ultimate brick wall is <laughs> unfortunate seating for them, I think. A hundred percent. I mean, that that's going to be crazy, and I, I think you kind of have to know how it goes, but you never know, right? Yeah, with these young sports, like, we don't have, we don't even know, like, how many upsets there are in some sports, like when a baseball team gets upset. Yeah. We have the history of lots of baseball teams get upset, so you don't think about it. In cycling, for example, you never see upsets, so you don't... So when an upset happens, it blows your mind. We don't have that history in upsets to know, is KT Rolster just going to roll through because they are the best? Or is an upset a legitimate possibility? If Can Team Liquid, if they get it, maybe coming in from the playoff game, just coming in on this roll... They knock off Rolster and they go. Is that possible? I mean, we don't have a lot of history to draw. Exactly. Like you can't go back to like, oh yeah, back in 1972 when Team Rolster was. You know what I mean? It's just not there. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, there's no Washington Capitals that we can say that, and they've been a choking team for the last 50 years. <laughs> but you have to realize when they're royalty, you got to expect something special out of this. Yeah, I certainly wouldn't be, <laughs> I'm not definitely not predicting that, uh, even though Team Liquid is Team Liquid, I'm not predicting that they fall in this situation. Yeah, exactly. Okay, uh, let's slide over to our next sport, which is everyone's favorite and the most popular game in the world, Fork Knife. <laughs> <laughs> you got it, spot on. <laughs> the old Fork Knife. Okay, so Fortnite, what do you got for us here? Yeah, so we are in week three of the six-week $10 million Royal Skirmish. Uh, sorry, Fall Skirmish. Yeah. And uh, what we've got here... Um, do, 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 I have lost my page. Crap. Oh, no. We I had the... So I'll go what I can go off with memory for now while I'm looking for it. But we've got um, two teams. If you remember correctly, they divided it into five teams this yes. week. Yes, yeah. This, uh, for this six-week setup. And we've got two teams kind of rising to the top. Yes, okay. So we've got, um, we've got the Fort Knights, appropriately named, and the Bush Bandits <laughs> are pulling ahead in the, in the team competition. And what we had uh, this week was uh, Senator Aspect Envy Lenain, uh, that's one team, and Psalm uh, and Ghost Bizzle yep. uh, for the Fortnites were absolutely dominant. They were way ahead of any of the other teams in this week. The, the format was, what did they play? They played Kingpin this week. Okay. Which is just a good, solid... You gotta get the most points every match. You don't have to mess around with the game. You're not looking for... You're not looking for fancy fancy tricks or anything like that. You're just playing the game at its best, racking up as many points as possible. And they ended up with... Those two teams ended up with 13 points. The next best team only had nine. And when you're talking about uh, gaps like this, when everybody's guaranteed a certain amount of points, four points at the top is quite a big gap. Yeah, 100% there. Like, what, so what, is, like, what does this mean kind of moving forward? Like... Do we kind of know how it's structured from here on out? 
Well, that's the thing about kind of where Fortnite is at the moment. Some of the other sports like League of Legends we were just talking about and Overwatch, they said, this is our format and we're going to roll with it. Yeah. And maybe we'll make tweaks, but we're going to set ourselves up much more as a comparable league to, say, an NFL or an NHL. This is our rules. We'll come look back. Fortnite has gone basically in the opposite direction, and they said, we don't know what we are. We don't know what people want to see. So we're going to be really, we're going to be really flexible. I mean, uh, so we don't really know what's coming next. Like even during this fall skirmish, they've had their format. They've had their main format, but they've also had a trial format on every single week. Yeah, where they 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 offer a few bonus points just to see. Like, how other competitions might work in the future. Yeah, so, I mean, the fall skirmish seems like they're doing a lot more to tighten it up and have a real kind of solid format that stays that way moving forward. Yeah, yeah, we've certainly seen growth. It took them, I think it was in the fifth or the sixth of eight weeks in the summer skirmish before they really got down to a format they thought worked for them. Uh, and they've already pulled, they've got it so that's more, it's, there's less gimmicks going on and more playing the game and playing it well. Yeah, that's awesome. It's cool to see how quickly this came to be. You know what I mean? Like we were literally talking about the spring skirmish and now all of a sudden, I mean the summer skirmish and now we're seeing the fall and the fall is dialed in and they're doing a specific thing, which is completely different than it's co-patriot the summer the summer was trying all this stuff, figuring it out. What does this look like? What does this feel like? What are we trying to show? What's our audience like? What do they want to see? And now we're seeing something really cool, which is just greatly formed and well thought out gameplay. Yeah, like we've so the big addition to this fall compared to the summer was the teams, but the teams were kind of like randomly assigned. These aren't club teams that the te- they joined in beforehand. Uh, so I think that's the next obvious step is we're going to see Team Liquid come up with their Fortnite team that competes against, you know, maybe the Fortnites, maybe a few of these players that are playing together now decide that, hey, that went pretty well. Let's join up. Let's compete together. Yeah. We don't really know. But I envision some some sort of process like that going down. Okay. Okay. Sweet. Um, I think that's what we're going to kill that one for the rest of the this of the week and see what we get next week. Uh, we'll move over to the UFC, which is new. Oh, crazy. We talk about the UFC. I feel like we can't <laughs> avoid it this week, but I'm not going to no. start with that. I'm not starting with Conor McGregor. I'm going to start off with the heavyweight uh, craziness that was Lewis knocking out his opponent in the last 10 seconds in a fight that he was definitely going to lose. But... I also want to say that it is weird to me, the entire heavyweight division, still to this point, from even um, back in the day when Mir and Lesnar were fighting, the rest of the heavyweight division, besides basically Daniel Cromier, since he jumped up, is indistinguishable from each other. It is... Not that it is crazy, crazy talented. We're seeing a lot of athleticism and amazingness. Is that the heavyweight division is a lot of people who are either crazy out of shape or not 
really that well-rounded athlete doing a lot of crazy technical things. Like, it's just punch, punch, So when punch, you punch, say punch, it's punch. indistinguishable, that's more from a negative point. Not that there's so much talent right now that anyone exactly. can win, but that there's just not enough that no one's distinguishing it themselves. It seems like every big boy does not want to fight. Like, that's... Like, there's probably some talent out there, but it's literally just now Brock Lesnar's crazy athleticism versus Cromier's crazy talented ability. I mean, he's crazy undersized uh, height-wise. I mean, obviously, he's weight-wise there, but no person has executed a game plan to even attack that. Like, when Stipe got knocked out by DC, he was basically just flailing in the middle of the ring and just got put to sleep. Like, there is yeah. no real talent in the heavyweight uh, situation. So, what, what is the reason? For, is it just because the top is sucking out all the oxygen where nobody... I just feel The people like, who could potentially get there don't have the right motivation? Or what's going on I there? just feel like they're... Like, they're, like to be a, a big guy, maybe fighting isn't for you. Like, going, you know, so many rounds in a cage... And you're, you know, you have to suck wind and fight through that is really tough when you start to get really heavy. And people are just like, you know what? This isn't for me. That's what it kind of feels like. That would worry me a little bit if I was UFC. Because there are people who are giants who are, can also go for five rounds yeah. in the world. Yeah. So if they're not at UFC, that would worry me a little bit. Why are they losing participation I, at some of the lower levels? No, kind of the I, feeder mean, levels? I mean, it seems like everything else is, you know, pretty solid and stellar and has been your, you know, your light heavyweights, your everything else below that being either extremely talented or having, you know, one really good person in the rest, you know, good. Like there's no division that is really like the heavyweight division and they really haven't figured out whatever it takes to make the heavyweight division something but we've seen this slide in boxing itself where as boxing the first step to boxing getting less power popular was the heavyweights dropped out yeah and you still had plenty of low lower weight and you know welterweight and all sorts of you had the pacquiao's and you had the uh leonard's and you had these guys but nobody quite captures the public's imagination quite like a great heavyweight bout and in boxing we haven't had that since mike tyson basically exactly maybe lennox lewis so in the usc if you don't have it i think that's a bad sign going forward i mean i feel like it's been uh it's been a problem for the usc basically since you know um like around the era of mir being champion a little bit before that when they absorbed pride, it seemed like they found a whole bunch of talent that was going to do something crazy. And nothing, no one really did from pride come up to be this amazing thing. It seems to be like undersized, um, like Cain Velasquez, when he won, he was an undersized, you know, heavyweight. Like, it, it's just yeah. very weird. The heavyweight division is very, very, very weird. And I hope that they can <laughs> figure out the recipe for this. But it seems yeah, like... Yeah, is it a blip or is this uh, something they got to fix? I don't I know. Is the big but, question I mean, there. the money fighter right now is Conor McGregor. And 
you have to <laughs> should think. we move on to him we've been well, yeah we'll side over this is the that. story everybody <laughs> wants us to talk about right? i'm sure you know but i mean it, it just seems like the heavyweight division is still just blah now we'll move over to the thing everybody wants to hear about and that's conor mcgregor losing by way of rear naked choke to khabib and then a riot ensuing. <laughs> uh, Khabib yeah. jumps. Uh, did you want to talk about the fight yeah. at all, or did I you mean, just I'll, want to go I'm right gonna, into the I mean, I will talk about the fight in a second. We're going to talk about kind of how it ended, and then we'll get into the the basics of the fight, because I feel like the end is kind of a little more exciting than the fight itself. Um, <laughs> Khabib, after his win, um, rear naked choke, uh, jumps over the cage and then proceeds to attack Conor McGregor's uh, coaching team slash pit crew. I don't know what you want to call them, whatever it is. Uh, and then a riot basically breaks out. People jump into a cage, attack Conor McGregor. Um, literal insanity. I mean, I'm yeah, sure... Yeah, like this game, this fight, uh, like the hype beforehand went kind of beyond... Yeah. The normal pre-fight trash talk. Like, didn't Conor McGregor accuse someone in Khabib's camp of being part of the 9-11 terrorist attacks? Yeah, basically. And um, just... <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a crazy, crazy thing. Um, Khabib being from a place in which they have strong, um, you know, like there's Muslim people there. Uh, there. There are oligarchs as well. And those oligarchs have... Uh, allegedly, alleged to be tied to uh, these. Uh, they're well, they're part of the fighters' camps. They pay for them because you know they have all this money for their training and everything that comes with it. And then they also may or may not be giving that money, like alleged to be giving money to these groups that are terrorists. And now he's tying that all together into one neat basket and saying that he is one. Is it's crazy? It's crazy. There's no proof. There's nothing there. But, it, I mean, it did rile him up. It did yeah, get him that, where he needed to go. I'm just providing the context for how we went from UFC fight, which we see a lot of those, and not very many of them, and in total riots. Oh, no, so. 100%. And I think a big part of that was, uh, I feel like another part of it is that Dana White is allows things like this to kind of get like this because... It creates uh, nice publicity, and then the risk is literally what we see right now. If you let it get yeah, too like he far, came out strong afterwards, but you have to admit that the way he runs this business, I I don't I don't think he's too angry about situations. No, like not this. at all. I mean, any even press though he is says the, press, you know, so he gets yeah. to apologize to Nevada and apologize to their gaming commission and say, oh my gosh, we're so sorry. Um, we'll have our next Conor McGregor Khabib fight here, and it will make you double the money. Like that's <laughs> like it's as simple as that. So I mean, uh, I I don't know if it really matters what happened here. No one was hurt, which is good. Uh, no one pressed charges, of course, because why would he press charges if he's basically guaranteed another fight that's going to make him probably double what he made this fight, which Conor McGregor made what sixty six million. Off of this, so he's gonna make even more than that. So, yeah. holy moly, uh, did not expect that um, result though. Uh, we'll get into that right now. Conor McGregor comes out looking, you know, like Conor McGregor 
he's going to show his kind of swag, stand up, looks nice and strong, and then gets taken down basically like he's never fought in the UFC before. I mean, he's always struggled when it comes <laughs> to the ground game, but he yeah. did not escape well, gets pulled to the ground by Khabib, who's a great wrestler, and then just gets smothered. And he comes out, big smile. Conor McGregor comes out of that round, big smile on his face, laughing like, who I got this. But he looks like he's sucking wind a little bit. And that carries yeah. on into the next round, in which he gets smothered again and gets, you know, pushed around the whole time. And then he gets up, and this time, no smile on his face. He looks like he's in a little bit of trouble. The next round he comes out, he gets put on the ground by Khabib's stand-up, which is crazy. Then gets smothered again, smothered again, and then <laughs> final, like, then gets choked out. Like, it's, I I did not expect this result. Everyone's like, oh, look out for that fist. But there was a masterfully executed game plan by Khabib and his crew, and he... Yeah, in contrast to what you were saying, he came in with a plan. Yes. Knew what he was doing, executed it. Exactly. It was it was a technical side, like boxing. Like, it's a sweet, like the sweet sport of science. Like, it was that. He came out, take him to the ground. Don't get tangled up. Okay, now that he's sucking wind hard, I can throw a bit of punches. I can stand up for a little bit, because he doesn't have that power behind his punches. Uh, you can really see that he was struggling. And I think that was in big part, number one, by him being out of the UFC for so long because of his shenanigans earlier, which led to someone <laughs> being sliced up by glass of a bus by throwing a dolly through the window. But, yeah, like, it's crazy. And, and that game plan was executed flawlessly, and Khabib gets a W, and well-deservedly so. Whether he keeps a belt now after all that shenanigans is another story. I was going to say, you talked about a rematch already, but do you see Khabib sticking around, becoming a bigger name outside of McGregor fights? Uh, I feel like not right now. I mean, I feel like it's going to be pretty much an infamy, 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 and then they're going to fight again, and if Khabib can win that, then Khabib will be the name and the face, and he has to carry himself completely differently in this next kind of go. He has to be yeah. like, you know, hey, thank you, everyone. I'm sorry again. I apologize. But here I am, champion. I've proved it again and again. Uh, you know, <laughs> hopefully you apologize to me for my previous mistakes and go that route because otherwise, yeesh, it might not be people liking them too much. Yeah. And you can get away with not being liked. Yeah, of course. But, but not... Uh... Not the way that. Yeah, when you're fighting someone like Conor McGregor, I feel like people want to <laughs> want to like you because no one wants to like Conor McGregor. Yeah, exactly. Conor McGregor is that character larger than life. Uh, do you know puts on quite a show? I think a little bit of that kind of infamy. He tr he became a little bit of it, which isn't good. Like it was a show, and then he became a part of the show, and that's where he slipped up, and that's why he had his altercation where you're throwing stuff at buses and losing your marbles because it you became it instead of yeah. using it to make yourself who you are today man you lived you know five years ago in basically you were basically homeless and now you are who you are today 
like don't lose that little part of you, Connor, because that's what everything. That's why everyone still loves you, even though you are this big, you know, infamy superstar. Superstar, now. right? Yeah. Okay. Um, that about does it for the UFC. You think? Yeah, I think so. Let's finish it off with the week that was in the NFL. And I talked what I said about uh, Auburn, that I didn't have a clue what Auburn was. Yeah. I think you could just multiply that by 32 times for the NFL right now. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know what's going on in this league right now. Uh, Nothing makes sense. Whoa, uh, yeah. I'm still confused by everything. Um, okay, let's start it off with the Patriots playing the Colts. Um, crazy. Yeah, a lot of people are jumping back on the Patriots bandwagon. Yep. Uh, Julian Edelman is back. You're completing a lot of those little passes that you could before with his, you know, ability to get open and stay open and create, uh, allowing Tom Brady to get those quick passes off, which is literally the bread and butter of Tom Brady's entire career. Yeah, what, like holy, they look good together, and it's great that he's back. But still, it's not like they were dominant. They're still throwing to James White way too much. Yeah, like, I think he had ten catches this week. He had fourteen or something like that a couple weeks before. Exactly. It still like, isn't. There's not. <sighs> there's not a lot to trust with this team so yeah, far. Yeah, it still isn't the thing I thought it would be. I thought they would be a team that was a lot more. Um, dominant than what they were. I mean, they still, you know, didn't really put the Colts to bed at all. No, and that's, once again, like, Miami and Indianapolis are the two teams they've won that restore people's confidence. I don't know that should restore people's confidence. That means you're an okay team. Yeah. But you beat what are two probably pretty bad teams. I mean, the Bengals beat Miami. So... The Bengals are 4-1 and one right now. Right? How did that happen? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it, it, the whole situation is beyond me. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, I mean, they, they I mean, Tom Brady looks like he's going to get back on track with this receiver. Whether this is enough to make them win it all, I... They'll, they'll win the division, no doubt about I mean, they're in the trash of trashest divisions, so they'll get to the playoffs. Yep. So basically, at this point, we're just watching Ken, Bill Belichick, and Tom Brady build a team that's worthy of competing for the Super Bowl. Yeah, 100%. Because right now, they are not, but they could grow to that. Yeah, I don't know. Okay. I don't think anyone's saying they're good enough right now to win the Super Bowl. Yeah, I, don't, I just don't think so either. Um, I guess we'll slide off that and move over to the Eagles, who had uh, some unfortunate news. Jay Ajay, done for the year, torn ACL. Yeah, this just adds on to what has been kind of a disappointing season for the Eagles. They're 2-3 and three right now. Yeah. Carson Wentz still hasn't got his feet under him, and then you get this... This blow with J.H.I. Yeah, I mean, now it gets even tougher for Carson Wentz to settle in with no bell cow of a running back. Uh, we'll see how they fix up what this situation is created. Yeah, do they have any sort of backup? I don't actually know. I, don't know. I think they still have 
Darren Sproles or something like that. Like, I don't even know. <laughs> <laughs> the 75-year-old Darren like, Sproles. I, it's just so weird. I, I don't know. So some running back named Smallwood got three carries in the rest of this game. So they pretty much just said, when Ajayi went down, they said, Carson Wentz, win us the game, and that didn't work. Yeah. Um, not surprised there. So I guess we'll see how they do it. Probably running back by committee would be my guess. But uh, that's tough for JHI, and we hope to see him back healthy for next year. Yeah, they also benefit, much like the Patriots, of being in what appears to be a pretty subpar division. Yeah. So they're certainly not out of it even at 2-3. and three. Exactly. Okay, so we'll slide over to the Browns and the Ravens. <laughs> there's, there's just one thing I want to mention of this game. Yeah. That game-winning kick. Uh May have been the worst single game-winning kick in the history of football. Yeah, man. I was hoping he would do... <laughs> High school, college, anything. Yeah, I just was hoping that he missed and we could be like, man, just fire the poor guy so he doesn't have to cry every night. Like, But he made it, <laughs> you know, and the Browns win. I'm still shook to the core by this, but the Browns, once again, are a good team. They played a hard-fought battle both sides. They've got a good defense. Yes, which that's what I felt was. like. We thought they had superstars on offense, and maybe they'd be able to put it together. But the story so far of the Browns has been defense, and especially that pass rush. Exactly, and I just wonder why they didn't take Chubb to go on the other side. Because <laughs> could you imagine how little time yeah. quarterbacks would have against the Browns if it was Chubb and? Miles. Yeah, like you see, like I know uh, Kansas City won last week, but the effect that Chubb had on that game—he is an NFL play. He's a NFL starter now. Like he would have helped absolutely. A hundred percent. He would have gave the pressure from both sides. Like one of those dudes is getting singled, and whatever guy single is getting there. Like you know what I mean? So I just—it's just beyond me why they went with uh, Ward. But uh, hey, they look good. You know, yeah, I and mean, they're not a playoff team this year, I don't think. I don't think so either, but I feel uh, that, like that would surprise me quite Steelers a bit. Next time to play them, man, the Steelers, Jekyll and Hyde. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's one of the games that uh, makes me think what what uh, what does this league mean? What is What's going on here? Because that game made no sense. They trashed the Falcons. Yeah, I just feel like the Falcons really aren't that good either. Like, they have the talent to be good. They were kind of on the, you know, burner because they got toasted by the Ravens. They were going to get an emotionally charged team. Was was Kyle Shanahan that important? Is that what's going on with the Falcons? They lost Kyle Shanahan and just haven't been the same team since. I feel like maybe Kyle Shanahan is a good coach. <laughs> like, I think 100% it's Kyle Shanahan. That dude is um unbelievable coordinator and, I guess, head coach now. Uh, he is... Yeah. He gets players. He understands professionals. He may be young, but he gets it wholly. And I think that's a big part of why you're seeing a really lackluster Atlanta. Yeah, because that seems to be the only difference, but they just, it's been one heck of a drop-off. Yeah. That's the only, I'm just, 
I'm groping around trying to find something to explain it, and that's the only thing that I can. Yeah, I would agree with you 100%. Okay, um, let's move off of that and slide over to uh, KC. Some more successful news after the bit of a downer. Yeah. Um, Patrick Mahomes, he didn't throw a touchdown pass this week. But had well over 400 yards of total offense. He, right, he played did have a rushing the touchdown. Jaguars' defense. Yes, he did have a rushing So, touchdown. I mean, he is unbelievable. He's played two defenses who are extremely capable. Coming off the Broncos, now moving into probably the best defense in the league, which is the Jaguars. Wow. He is... Remarkable. He's unshaken. Yeah. He, it's like he doesn't know any better. Like he's like, oh, I just do well, <laughs> right? And they're like, no, you struggle. And he's like, no, I, I'm gonna do well. I'm liking the way I'm going right now. Yeah, and keep it going, kid. Youngle rum, youngle rumble, young man rumble. <laughs> Never mind me, youngle gabungle to gungle bungle. Well, that makes yeah, it. He's much obviously sense. not gonna throw for. He's <laughs> not gonna throw for six touchdowns a week, obviously. But I feel man, like is he impressive? My stuttering these last two games made just as much sense as his success right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's the only quarterback in the league that keeps me from uh, uh, has a the thought in my mind saying maybe Jared Goff won't be the best quarterback in the league in four years. Yeah, I agree with you 100. percent Maybe it's Patrick Mahomes because this is. Extremely impressive. I feel like if it's going to be anything, Jared Goff's going to slide into that Tom Brady best quarterback of all time. And then you're going to have <laughs> Mahomes as the um, Peyton Manning. Because, holy. Yeah. Mahomes to me is so much like Aaron Rodgers. Yes. Where you just, there's no good way to stop him. You're, trying, you're throwing everything at him. And if you're a fan of the team, you're just. You just throw up your hands and say there's nothing we can do. Yeah. We just have to try to outscore him. 100%. And I don't know how he's doing it, and I'm loving watching it. Because, holy, he looks it's good. It's great to watch. Having yeah. fun, you know, putting the ball all over the place. So keep it going. I'm just at a loss for words. Um. We'll slide over to um, our next one, which will be the Packers. Uh, unfortunate again. <laughs> yeah. Aaron Rodgers managed to lose a game where he threw for 442 yards. Yeah. And Matt Stafford threw for 183. Yep. And he still lost the game. And uh, I feel like you can lose a game throwing for 500 yards. But you can't lose it rushing for 200. So, I think that's what we saw in this case. A better rushing outing from one team than the other. Yeah, you didn't have anything out of Green Bay. I think their leading rusher had 40 yards or something terrible like that. They clearly have no running game whatsoever. I mean, it is crazy how, I don't know. Immediate, like I don't even know what you call it, like, well, they're just so bland. <laughs> and we from the defense. Yeah, we can't talk that. about this game without uh, mentioning Mason Crosby. I hope if you had him in fantasy la- this week, you didn't have 
one where you get punished for miss, missed field goals. Yeah. Because he had a bad week. Mason Crosby, I feel for the guy, I don't know how, I don't know why you could miss that many kicks, but you did, and oh, oh it's just sad. Just so very, very sad. <laughs> yeah, I think he was one for four, is that what he ended up? And I think one of the misses was from 50, but the other three misses were not that far away. Like, it's not like... He's being trotted out to kick a 63-yarder like Graham Gano is. Yeah. I don't I don't know. I it just seems crazy to me. And hey, Graham Gano, 63 yards for the winner. Hey. Yeah. Keeping that Carolina Panthers prediction looking good. Yeah, 100% needed that for you there. Um uh but I guess we'll slide over now to the Jets winning against your very favorite team, the Broncos. Yeah, this is just a sad game as a Bronco. This was the game that told me this year's going to be like last year where the Broncos are just an irrelevant team. They're not a terrible laugh at them team. Yeah. But this team's not, not going to make the playoffs. This team's not going to win anything. They're just another team in the league this year. Yeah, I think that's as simple as that is. Um... I don't know. It's it's crazy to me how, how... Like, they've got one hell of a pass rush, but Crowell went crazy on them. Their rush defense is clearly not up at the same level as their pass defense is. Yeah, I mean... Like... Uh, I just... I'm, I'm shook with how well that another quarterback did against the, against a defense like that, and it's a rookie, and his name is Sam Darnold. Congratulations, kid. Wow. I'm not sure we can talk about doing well with Sam Darnold. He had one, like, 80-yard pass and still threw for less than 200 yards. Still. So it's not like he was ripping it apart. You, he did... It, it's that team. If it was a different team, I would agree with you, but it is still doing that against the Broncos. That's not... A team where you throw for 500 yards. It's a team where if you get 100 yards on the ground, I mean, if you get 60 yards rushing, you had a great game. If you had 200 yards passing, you had a great game. Like, that's how good that defense is. In this case, Crowell had 219 yards. That's that's, one of the worst defensive performances for the run in this era of Broncos defense. It was not good. Yeah. Well, is, is that kind of the end of an era, do you think? I don't, I don't think so because they have a lot. But the problem is they're so focused on, on the pass rush, that their their inside linebacking core. I think their defensive tackles have gotten a little older, a little slower, and I think that was exposed a little yeah. bit. And their DB core, while they're pretty good, they are vulnerable to the speedy, speedy receivers. Like in this case, uh, uh, is it Robbie Anderson? Yeah, Robbie Anderson is the guy you're talking about. Had two touchdowns and basically got him just by blowing past him and having Sam Darnold uh, just throw the deep ball, which he does do fairly well. I mean, I feel like this is a case of the Jets being a team that is on an upswing because think about it before they were a team that was bottom of the barrel. Now they're a team that's probably middle of the pack. Then 
that's what we're seeing. Probably the second best team in that division. Not saying much, but I don't. I don't believe in. I think this is more of. I don't think we're going to see another three hundred total yards rushing out of the Jets, possibly for the rest of the season. So I don't think this is. This is going to be repeatable. Myself. Um. I don't know if they're going to do this to another team, if they're going to systematically dismantle them running-wise like that, but I feel like we're going to see them do well against teams instead of just blah. So Jets, (laughs) look out for them. They're on the upswing. They're going to get there. But right now, they're definitely a middle-of-the-pack team instead of a team that used to be at the bottom of the barrel. All right. Some a hopeful finish to that topic from Kevin there. You're right. Okay, uh, let's slide over to now the rookie quarterbacks because we have to talk about how we went from these guys losing now to being on a winning side of things. Is this the case of all these rookies turning a corner? Or are we seeing just luck of the draw? I mean, we have Allen yeah, in I think... his game, and he... Through yeah, that what, was weird. One touchdown had one interception or something like that, or did he even throw a touchdown? I don't think he threw a touchdown. I, think I don't he had think he threw a touchdown. A I'll pull that up here. I think it was eighty-two yards. In a pick. <laughs> yeah, yeah, eighty-two yards. Um, and what was it? One interception. Yeah, yeah eighty-two yards. Uh, one interception on nineteen attempts. Yeah, that's yeah. Not not blowing the world away. Yeah, yeah I agree. But some of these other rookies did, like Mayfield in his win, I think threw for 340 yards. Exactly. Like, And what you saw was Sam Darnold throwing for 200 yards against a team where you shouldn't have threw Yeah, Sam yards. Darnold's good stat was he threw for three touchdowns while only giving up one pick. Exactly. I mean, it's crazy. Cause that against what we think is a good defense. Which I mean, is um, still a good defense. <laughs> Maybe yeah. not the defense. Uh, Josh Rosen. Uh, Rosen didn't have an impressive stat game, but he led his team to the first win of the season. Yeah, exactly. Touchdown, no picks. His completion percentage is only 40%, which isn't great. but Yeah, I mean, it's your first real taste of the league. Kid, what do you expect? <laughs> Yeah, and David Johnson still isn't having a great season. Yeah. Like, you'd be expecting more from him, so he's he's doing more than I think we kind of expected he would have to. I mean, he's doing not what I expected because his injury was, what, a broken arm that was weirdly broken or something? Like a forearm injury? Yeah. Like... Yeah, I think so. It, it's kind of crazy to me that he's fallen kind of off a cliff, but maybe it's... The case of everyone knowing that they have to be able to run the ball to be successful and just clobbering every gap when it comes to the run game. Yeah, so rookie quarterbacks, 4-0 to 4-0 this week. Right. There's some up and down performances, but wins I think have almost become underrated today while we try to look deeper into the stats and separate everything from everybody else. Exactly. But in the end, quarterbacks and wins are always going to be Importantly linked. Exactly. And I think that these quarterbacks are starting to do all the right things. I don't know if Allen is, but everyone else is, and it's really cool. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, let's talk about the Rams being undefeated still. Yeah, talking about groups of people that haven't lost. 
the Rams, they they faced... The Seahawks are better than I thought they would be. I thought the Seahawks were going to kind of be a doormat. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. They bit up a pretty good fight, and the Rams still beat them. Jared Goff, like we mentioned it briefly, I think in a couple of years he's going to be the best quarterback in the league. It, it might happen sooner than later because, holy, he is so accurate. He is so calm and composed. Yeah, he's just the perfect. That's why I thought so highly of him, even after his, after his terrible Jeff Fisher season. Yeah. He's how you build a quarterback. 100%. You want a big, tall guy with a nice arm, enough wheels to get around, you know, and just beautiful pinpoint accuracy. 100%, and that's exactly what you got with him, you know. He is putting the ball in places that are, you know, you do not enter, and he's still like, how about if I put it right there? And it's exactly where you could enter <laughs> and no one would see you. You know what I mean? Like, he is... Yeah, he's he's unbelievable, and it's exciting to see him make that step up. Because you, I mean, you called it, and it's cool to see you being right about this because it <laughs> makes for a crazy, crazy team. And um, yeah, like the team we this was the team of the off season, obviously yeah. with all their their various signings and trades and. You know, uh, and yeah, undefeated. Got to be the Super Bowl favorites at this point. Yeah. Long, long way to go, but exactly. I mean, if, if barring any injury, you have to imagine this is a team to beat. You know, um, so hopefully we see. An, it was a Sean McVay, yeah, is here as yeah. a coach in his exactly what we said he would do. Offensive genius doing his offensive Yeah, appears to be thing. the genius people were saying he was. Yeah, and holy, it's it's crazy. They're finding so much space. Sometimes it feels like he's throwing into an ocean and, like, three fish are trying to stop him. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like it's not like he, these guys are wide open, but he is allowing Goff to do what he does best, and that is to throw very accurate balls to... Places that keep players safe, you know, and catch some passes here, catch some passes there, you know, it's crazy. It's, it's, I don't know what McVeigh's like regiment of like looking for what he's looking for, but he is seeing things that other coaches aren't seeing. Yeah, he's clearly got a mind for this. Did you see the, the interview from a couple weeks ago where they were asking McVeigh, like, uh, it was, this play from three years ago, it was second and eight. Uh, and you were on the Ravens 40-yard line. What happened? And he, like, said the exact play that happened. Yeah. <laughs> He's clearly got just a crazy football mind. He's one of those special guys and it is showing through 100% because he's young. Like, he's really young. Like, I don't even think he's 40 yet. No, he's de- he's 33, I yeah, think. Yeah. Like, like he's young 30s. He's younger than some of his players. It's, it's ridiculous. It's crazy and it, you some of those it's just one of those special dudes and hopefully we get to see him be special all the way into his 60s because wow. A long time. All right, let's finish off with a team. I think Deshaun Watson is probably one of your favorite players in the league. Yeah, I mean, uh, and he has money. maybe He's maybe saved uh, Bill O'Brien's job the last couple weeks. Yeah, uh, terrible decision by him. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, t- two wins back to back. Uh, 
uh, Deshaun Watson looking good in both. Um, they're well over three hundred yards. Finally, non-existent. Yeah, it's really not there. He really. I think this is the first time this season he's really found DeAndre Hopkins. Yes. That duo uh, hooked up for more than one hundred and fifty yards. Which is a, which needed to happen and what's going to happen eventually. You can't hold DeAndre Hopkins down. Uh, the Clemson to Clemson connection will succeed. <laughs> um, and but yeah, that running game. Yeah. I think Deshaun Watson's been the leading rusher in a couple of games. He not quite. He had forty to Blues forty six this oh game. Oh my gosh! Like, it, but you need to be able to hand it off to your running back to win games. You in this can't league. have and Deshaun can't right now running. All your first downs, <laughs> like it's not like he got, easy to play, right? They gave the ball to Alfred Blue twenty times this game, so they're feeding him the rock, and he only got forty six yards. I don't know how. How Alfred are you supposed Blue, to move the ball in that situation? I don't know like why that. Alfred Blue's still in the league at this point. Like it just seems like he's so pedestrian. Why did you not make any move for a running back? Yeah, especially when we see people finding running backs in the third, fourth rounds of the draft. What what have you been doing? Yeah, yeah I just feel like that's a testament to Bill O'Brien's amazing coaching whisper of <laughs> the stars coaching style, you know? You just... If they hadn't won these last two games, I bet he'd be not just fired at the end of the season. I think he probably would have been fired right away. I, I would have and... thought so as well. I think that I really think they saved his job. A hundred percent. And I mean, knocking down the Cowboys is a big thing. I, I okay. I guess on the other hand, on the other side of the ball, that you have to look at this defense and what they're doing, because you held Ezekiel Elliott to what less than fifty yards rushing. Um, yeah, damn you Texans! Ezekiel Elliott's my fantasy guy. <laughs> What's going on here? Right? <laughs> uh, they held him to no yards. Basically, they. You know, stifled at all turns. And yeah, he had a very Alfred Blue-like game. Yeah, and Alfred Blue against a defense that is nowhere near as competent did the same thing. So, <laughs> what do you do? Uh, great job by the the Texans, and hopefully they can continue that on. And Bill O'Brien still doesn't have a job next year. <laughs> you need to thread that needle. Yeah. Going for it, picking that Just shot. successful enough. Okay, um, I think that right before we end this, we just had the end of the Saints game. Um, the Saints beat the Washington Redskins 43-19. By a mile. <laughs> yeah, it was not close. Two breeze, what are the 26 for 29, 336, 363 yards. Three touchdowns. Did you say 26 of 29? 26 of 29. Those aren't real numbers. These are mad Those are numbers, video game right? numbers. What's going on here? Uh, let's see who caught the most of these. Uh, looks like it was Smith. He spread it around. Smith with three receptions for 111 yards and two touchdowns. These are literally mad yeah, numbers. Yeah, no receiver with more than five numbers. Like, that's absurd. How many... Like, what is that? Five, nine different people caught a pass? Yeah. I'm... <laughs> kind of shook to the core by that number there like three for 111 yards and two touchdowns that hurts the Saints started out ugly but yep. your uh super bowl pick is looking better and better as we get oh i told you man <laughs> you week five here. it's drew Brees is good man and i think uh 
they're still my team coming through. So hopefully they can keep that going and get into the – they'll definitely, I feel like, make their way into the playoffs. Whether where they make a ruckus and win it all is another story, but they definitely po- look like they're capable of doing such. Yeah, unlike some of the teams we've talked about so far, they do not have the benefit of a weak division. Yes. They've got to go through <laughs> Panthers. The Falcons have a bad record, but I wouldn't count them out quite True. yet. True. Uh, Buccaneers, we can probably count yeah, them out. That's, that's, that ship has sailed. Uh, I get it. Hopefully along with the career of Jameis Winston. Okay, um, <laughs> that's all we have today, guys. Uh, thank you for listening. Uh all 25 of you. <laughs> no, you guys are awesome. Thank you for listening. Even if you're just cruising by and found something, you know, we love it. Uh, give us some feedback. We're on the social medias. Uh, you can find me on the Instagrams mostly and Facebook a little bit. But awesome. Thank you, guys. Absolutely. Thanks for listening. <laughs>